day. This is a passion of my life, being the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and today we're going to talk about, it's really kind of the kickoff of our backpack, backpack, that's what's hard to say, backpack, backpack, backpack bash season. But I wanted you to understand that the area that I'm coming from with this message is really about a collision of compassion. And compassion can really be designed or, or, or defined as when I allow your pain to become something that I feel. Compassion, uh, just a, a layman's definition, is where I allow the pain in your life to be something that I experience and I feel. But Jesus, the Bible tells us over and over again, saw people that were hurting and he was moved with compassion. It wasn't just that he felt bad for them. Oh, that's terrible. They're not feeling good. You know, he saw people's hurt and his pain, and he was moved with compassion. He moved to action. He did something about it. What's interesting is when he got ready to go back up into heaven, he gave us the same mission. So when you talk about being Jesus' hands and feet, you are literally Jesus' hands and feet in this world. And not just to those that are hurting outside of our church, but those that are inside our church and our family. We are all called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen? If you've got your Bibles, lift them up this morning. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. It is true. It is true, isn't it? I want us to look uh, at Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. I'll ask you a question as we get started this morning. How many of you have ever received a job description? You were working somewhere, and they gave you a job description. Anybody? All right, you know, a job description, basically you go to work for a company and they say, this is your job. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what is expected of you. And the Bible, believe it or not, actually has a job description of Jesus. In other words, Jesus knows why he came. And in the scripture, we're going to look for a few moments and Jesus is going to tell us, this is why I came here. So look at Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth. Where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. Notice here, just as a side note, it says, as was his custom, Jesus went to church. Let me ask you a question. If there's anybody that could ever skip church, who do you think it'd be? (laughs) Jesus. But Jesus made it a habit of going to church. That ought to tell you something. And I'm not saying you have to be at church every Sunday, but Jesus made it a habit of going to church. It says, as was his custom. So he's giving us an example there of attending. So that's just a little side note. Um, He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. And look at this next, verse 17. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And Jesus opened up the book, and he found the place where it was written. Now pay attention here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel or the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Verse 20. And Jesus closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of everybody in the church were fixed on him. And Jesus began to say to them, today... 
This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Here's what I want you to see right here. What Jesus is doing is he is telling the people at the church that day, this is my job description. This is why I'm here. Let's go through it again real quick. He's anointed me. God's anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Another version of the scripture says, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus said, I came to set captives free, sinners. How many of you have been a sinner or are still sometimes? If you didn't raise your hand, you're awesome. But the truth is, I've got both hands up. A lot of times I'm still that. And Jesus said, I came to save you. I came to pay that price for you. How many of you have ever had a broken heart? He said, I came to heal. Thank you, Dennis. He said, I've came to heal the brokenhearted. To open the eyes of the blind, those that can't see, whether that was physically or spiritually, that were blind to the truth. Jesus came to do all those things. He said, this is why I'm here. And the rest of the New Testament accounts of him is him doing what he said right here. You can look through the lens of this section of scripture and everything Jesus does is through the lens of this. It's like it's his job description. It's what he does. And and I thought about, as I read this, there were two theological points that came up to me. You guys know how deep theologically I am. So here are the two big points I took away from this. When Jesus says all these things, the first thing is, it's for me. Everybody put your hand over your heart. Say, it's for me. Here's the other thing. It's for everybody. It's for others. Jesus came to do all those things for everybody. For all of us, red and yellow, black and white, we are precious in his sight. It doesn't matter where you're from, where you've been. None of those things are relevant. What matters is Jesus has done all these things for all of us. That's amazing to me. And I want to share with you this morning when we talk about a collision of compassion, a true example of Jesus walking in this section of Scripture. But before I go into this next set, it's Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. I want to set up this story for you a little bit. Jesus has been in a city called Capernaum. And in Capernaum, he, he does a miracle. You may remember there was a, a Roman centurion. Now, now, what's amazing is Jesus interacts with this Roman centurion who's basically helping oppress the people of Israel. This is the guy that's part of the army that's taken over the country at this time. And and Jesus, the centurion comes to Jesus and says, Hey, I need you to heal my servant. And everyone is shocked, A, that Jesus would even talk to him, but B, that Jesus heals his servant and talks about that this guy has more faith than anybody he's seen in Israel. It's this amazing thing of Jesus Being the hands and feet of God, loving people, even people that are not Israeli, even people that are not Hebrews. God's loving these people that are oppressing them. It's amazing. So Jesus does this miracle, heals this Roman centurion servant, and the Bible tells us that many people started following Jesus at this time. Because everybody likes a good show, don't they? Everybody likes that. I mean, Jesus is healing people. Let's go watch what Jesus is going to do. So Jesus is leaving Capernaum, and when he does that, a crowd is following him. Okay? So let's pick up from right there. Now you have the backstory. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him accompanied by a large crowd. 
Now, as Jesus approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Now, let me back up here, explain something to you. In that culture of that time, this woman now whose husband has died, so she's a widow, but then her son dies. This woman, at this moment in her life, is completely destitute. She has literally lost everything. She's not only burying her only son, she's burying hope. Her life is effectively over. And with every drop of dirt that's put into the grave with him, it might as well be her jumping in there with him because she knows she's done. She knows this, okay? When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her. Jesus felt her pain. He felt compassion for her. And he said to her, do not weep. And he came up and he touched the coffin and the bearers came to a halt. And Jesus said, young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Look at verse 16. I love Luke. I love how Luke tells us what's going on. Fear gripped them all. What do you think was happening right now? Ah, that's exactly right. What it could have said was everybody was freaking out, okay? Because that's what was happening. Fear gripped them all. And then they realized what was going on and they began glorifying God saying, A great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. Remember one of Jesus' names, Emmanuel, God with us? Verse 17, and this report concerning Jesus went out all over Judea and in all the surrounding district. I'll tell you a little bit about Nain. Capernaum at this time was a pretty big city. It was an important place for this time in history. But Nain was nowhere. Nain was nowhere. And, and Jesus goes walking out of Capernaum having just done this this miracle, and he tells the disciples, hey guys, we're going to Nain. Some of them were probably going, where is Nain? Where, where is Nain? That's like, where is Smithville? I mean, you know, where is Nain? And, and so they don't know what's going on. But let me tell you a little bit of history here. Nain is 25 miles from Capernaum. Now remember, they didn't jump in the, the van and drive to Capernaum. They are walking to Capernaum, and it's 8 to 10 hours walk, I mean, to Nain. They're walking 8 to 10 hours to get there. But what's also interesting about Nain is it is a very rocky, hilly place. It's hard to get around in Nain. So not only are they walking a long way, they're walking through terrain that's difficult to navigate. And who wants to go to Nain anyway? Because Nain is nowhere. And so Jesus has this crowd following him to Nain. And and all of a sudden, as they approach the gate of the city, this funeral procession is coming out. And I want to explain something to you right here. We have no indication that Jesus did anything else in Nain except go raise this woman's son from the dead. We have no evidence in Scripture that she was a good lady or a bad lady. We don't know what her place was. We don't know anything about her. It just says a widow. In other words, Jesus is going to a place to raise this woman's son from the dead because she's hurting. 
and God sent him there. God sent him to nowhere, to nobody, to help her. And it struck me so strongly that here we have Jesus dealing with a Roman centurion, and now he's going into the middle of nowhere to help somebody, moved with compassion. The thoughts that ran through my heart as I read this really can be summed up in this way. With Jesus, it's not about where, it's about who. It's not about where, it's about who. Jesus is always about people. And he is always about the overlooked and the hurting and the oppressed. Because remember, that's his job description. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came, let me put it to you this way. He came to talk to me and you. He came to go into the middle of nowhere if that's where you are, if that's where he needs you to meet you. That's where he'll go. Jesus inconvenienced himself and a whole crowd of people for a little old widow lady who was hurting. I don't know about you, but that inspires me, and that's good news to me. Because I have been her. Not a woman. (laughs) But I've been in the middle of nowhere lost. And he came looking for me. You know, I think it's interesting That as Jesus approached her, notice he doesn't say anything to her about why he died. Notice he doesn't say anything about the situation at all. Jesus just goes and is moved with compassion because of our pain. I don't know about you guys, but how many of you grew up in a church that, that you felt like God was hiding behind a tree or a rock and he was waiting for you to mess up? Anybody? I got to tell you a funny story. Years ago, I was in the church getting ready for a service one day. And this guy goes walking through that door. And I use walking through that door loosely because he was about 6 foot 23 inches. And he came, well, I don't know, he weighed like 800 pounds or something. I mean, he's like a huge, it's like Bigfoot showed up. I mean, he comes walking in this door, scraggly hair, looked like an old rough biker kind of guy. And he comes walking out. But I watched him. It's funny how the Lord does this. I watched this guy coming in. And he was kind of looking at the door like he didn't want to come in. Really. And he's looking around and kind of looking around, and he finally steps in, and then he walks down through the front, and I introduce myself to him. (laughs) I said, man, why are you so nervous? Here's what he said. He goes, I was kind of expecting to be struck by lightning when I walked in. (laughs) For real. And I thought how true that is for many of us. That we just, you know, we're kind of waiting. We've been conditioned to think, hey, God, hey, you know, God's going to get you. You know, you better, go to, you better eat your vegetables. God's going to get you. You know what I'm saying? And so we get conditioned to think that God is just waiting to bonk us on the head every time we mess up. And, and we don't see that at all in the way that Jesus interacts with people, ever. Jesus goes to the lost and the hurting and the sinners and the religious, and he goes to everybody. And if you notice the way Jesus treated everybody, it was the same. Whether he's talking to Nicodemus the priest or the woman caught in adultery or this little lady who's lost her son and she's a widow, he deals with everybody the same. He feels compassion for us. And he's moved with compassion for us because he came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set the captives free. That's why he came. When God sees you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees your pain. 
And I want you to understand clearly today, God is not pro-sin at all. Jesus died to forgive our sin. God is not okay with sin. It cost him everything to be able to receive us back. Jesus died to cover our sin. When Jesus was dealing with the woman caught in adultery, what did he say? Go your way and what? Sin no more. Why? He said, because it's killing you. Sin kills us, but God loves us. And he is willing to reach down into the pain and the loss and the hurt of our lives to pull us out of that because he loves us that much. God is not, has come to help his people, not to condemn them. So how do we become, if this is Jesus' job description, and Jesus, when he's getting ready to go back to heaven, said, hey, you've seen what I've done, now go do likewise. He also says this to the disciples. One time the disciples were with Jesus, and, they, and a couple of the disciples said, hey, Jesus, show us the Father, show us God. And this is what Jesus says. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, you see how I act and interact with people. You've seen how God interacts with people. This is how God is. And, and can you imagine the amazement of those guys when they realize what Jesus has done and how he's interacting? And that is God's heart towards every one of us. He loves us that much. But then as believers, he gives us the same mission. He said, now you go and do these things. So I want to give you five points today that are going to help you understand what God has called us to do. Okay, I'm going to help you see this. This is your life. If you are a believer, if you are a child of God, this is for you. This is your job description. Okay, Look at number one. Number one, we go to the pain. We go to the pain. One of the great visual images that I have of September 11, 2001, as we watched it unfold on the TV screen, was not all the people running out of the building. That's not the, the thing that, that I remember when I think about it. What I remember are the people running into the building. The hundreds of firefighters and, and police officers, the first responders that are rushing into the chaos to save people. And that's what God calls us to do. We are heavenly first responders. When everyone else is running away, we are running towards the pain. When Jesus goes to meet this little old lady in Nain, he's going to the pain. He's going where people are hurting. And he calls us to do the exact same thing. These shoes are up here representing the lives of people, many of whom, not all, but many of whom are broken and hurting. And we are going to their pain. We are meeting them where they are hurting. Amen? That's what we do. Look at number two. We look for the lost. We look for the lost. In other words, we notice those who are wandering lost. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever lost something, misplaced something valuable? Anybody? Anybody? If you're above 30, you have because you're starting to forget stuff. I mean, that's just the way that works. And I love it. I love how helpful people are when we misplace things. You can go to somebody, you know, and you say, you say I've lost my cell phone or my wallet or my keys or whatever it is. And this is usually what they say. Where's the last place you put it? <laughs> I saw you, Deanna. She's going, it's me. That's you. Where's the last? If I knew the last place I put it, I already got it. You know, I mean, I hate that question. It's obvious, right? 
<laughs> I've done this next statement a number of times. How many of you have ever lost something and you went, I dropped it in the trash? Have you ever done that? Where, where maybe it's your keys or your cell phone or something, and, and you think, I've lost it, and I think I put it in the trash. And so, so what do you do? Don't point at your husband and say, he goes against I mean, you go, you are going to dig through the trash to get this thing. I have never met anybody that said, just throw it away. <laughs> Just, I just, no, you're going to put your gloves on, you know, you're going to put your hazard suit on. I mean, you're going to dig in and you're going to find this thing, aren't you? That's what Jesus asks us to do with people. <laughs> Don't put on the gloves. <laughs> My favorite message is our Christmas message about how Jesus came to get messy because of where he was born. And he calls us to get messy too. Because we are willing to sift through the trash to find a cell phone. But how much more valuable are the hearts and souls of people who are in trash? And he asks us to dig in. You know why? Because that's what he does. He does the exact same thing. And he jumps right in and he calls us to go do the same thing. We look for the lost. Amen? Look at number three. And don't point when I say this. We love the unlovable. <laughs> don't look. Don't look. <laughs> but straight ahead. But we do. We love the unlovable. I saw something interesting this week. I like to check out the news. And, and I was looking uh, on my, my iPad this week. And, and there was one of those little subheadings that, you know, is off on the side of the news way down. And it said, snake dies from eating porcupine. <laughs> Y'all see that? Surprise! You know, I mean, you would think at snake school that it said, now look, this thing, don't eat it. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like eating Cajun food. It will bite you back. You know, I mean, it's... That's what went on, and, and, and that snake got a surprise, didn't he? But people are like porcupines sometimes. But you know why people are like that? Because they've been hurt. And people have these defenses in their life, these porcupine quills in their life that say, stay away from me, because anytime people get really close to me, I end up getting hurt, or I end up hurting other people. So I've got these porcupine quills out. What Jesus is asking us to do is love porcupine people. <laughs> but that's what he's asking. And I know some of y'all, and some of y'all are porcupine people. <laughs> Dennis is pointing at you, Donald. That's not nice at all. <laughs> it's easy to love people that you love. It's hard to love people that are mad at you. But what our Savior do, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're porcupines. They're hurt. We're called to love the unlovable. Look at number four. We give hope to the hurting. We don't give out shoes. We don't give out backpacks. We don't give out haircuts. We give out hope. We show people that there's more than what they see. It's not about the fireworks, Jack. We're touching people's hearts, right? We're reaching out to the hurt and lost people in practical ways. That's what Jesus did. 
I spoke to a group of pastors a couple years ago. They wanted me to talk about church marketing and how to reach communities and those kind of things. And I said, here was a question I asked these guys. I said, why did Jesus feed hungry people? And, and you know, these guys were looking around theologically trying to figure this out. I said, it's because they were hungry. Notice it didn't say everyone was hungry, so they gave them shoes. Why? They don't need shoes. They need food. We're giving away shoes because they need shoes. <laughs> Still remember the first year. I think Marty told me about it. Little girl comes up with duct tape on her shoes. Never had her own pair of shoes. Wearing hand-me-down duct tape shoes. I'm not okay with that. But it's not ultimately about the shoes. It's about her having an intersection with Jesus. And one of you is going to be that person that intersects with her and loves her. That's what we do. We bring hope to the hurting that it doesn't have to be this way. This past couple weeks, I was getting beef jerky for Father's Day because men need beef jerky (laughs) and gravy. (laughs) And as I was in the grocery store, I was getting ready to check out and, and, uh, there was a lady there at the grocery store, and, and I was talking to her, and I knew one of her family members had been sick. And so there in front of the, front of the grocery store, in front of the Lord and everybody, I just asked the question. I said, how's your brother? She doesn't go to our church. How's he doing? And she just begins to weep, crocodile tear weep, broken weep. And in that moment, I remember asking the Lord, what do I do? And I just, I knew what Jesus would do, just love on her. And I just opened my arms up and she collapsed. And I just held her and I I said, you know, God's got a plan and I know it's hard when things like this happen. I said, but God is good. And we just prayed right there in the grocery store. Now you that know me know I don't tell you that to make a big deal out of myself because frankly I don't care. But what I do care about is having our eyes open to the hurting people around us. And if we'll slow down long enough, there are hurting people everywhere. And he asks us to be his hands and his feet and his mouth and just love people. I didn't share any great theological truths with her. I just had compassion on her and I felt her pain in that moment. And in that moment, I got to share the love of God with her by being there. And he asked us to do the same thing. It's not hard. It's being available. I mean, I could have been like, man, I know you got stuff going on, but I got to buy beef jerky. You think God cares about beef jerky? I mean, I know he does, but I mean, you know. (laughs) He loves that lady, right? So we give hope to the hurting. Here's number five. We offer the grace of God. We offer the grace of God. And grace, theologically defined, grace is unmerited favor, which is a really fancy way of saying God loves you in spite of you, not because of you. He loves you because he just loves you. 
He loves you because you're his child. He loves you because he created you. And he sent Jesus to die for you. And that's what we do. You know, the Bible tells us over and over again, Jesus said that we are the light of the world. We are a city on a hill. We are the ones that people look to for hope. As the church, that's what we're supposed to be. He says, you are that. How many of you remember the little song growing up, maybe in vacation Bible school, this little light of mine? Yeah, right? It's true. Jesus said it, it's true. You're a light in a very, very dark place that, by the way, is getting darker all the time. But that's okay, because the darker it gets, the more light shines. And people are coming for hope and help and the grace of God. And you are that. It resides in you. So here's the question today. Are you allowing God to be the hands and feet of Jesus in your life? Are you doing that? And here's the thing, guys. Are you available? Some of you might say, well, I'm not smart enough or I'm not good looking enough or I'm not whatever enough. And it isn't about any of that. God's just looking for somebody that's available that he can love people through. He just wants to use you as a vessel. Jesus said, if you'll come to me and let me live inside of you, you will be like a spring of water welling up that never runs dry. That this, you're, you're just like this water fountain that's running all the time. And the cool thing about that is when a water fountain overflows, it floods everything around it. And the love of God literally oozes out of you on top of other people. And and the Garden of Eden travels with you. And everywhere you go, God's presence and power is with you. And you're just like this, this mobile light socket that's moving around with the power of God flowing through you. And it's not because you're special. It's because He's awesome. He just wants you to be available. So as we go into these next few weeks, as we get ready for this event, here is my heartfelt prayer. We need to be loving people like this every day. It's not about five hours on August the 8th. It's about every day. In the classroom, at home, at work, at the grocery store, the chicken house, the truck stop, wherever you are. It's about the love of God flowing through you at school, with students, wherever you are. That's the mission. It's at the gym. It's wherever you are in the light and the love of God over there when you're dealing with those parolees. It's dealing with every one of these people and saying, and allowing the love of God to flow through you. Because let me tell you something. At the end of the day, guys, your relationship with God and your relationship with people are all that matter. It's not going to be how much money you made or didn't. And I'm not saying that's not important. But what is going to matter is how you interacted with other people. I'm convinced, and I'm going to close. There's two types of sin. There's the sin of commission, which are the sins that we do. I ate the cookie when I shouldn't have. That's a sin of commission. I did that. Then there's the sin of omission. The sin of omission are the things I should have done that I didn't do. Guess which one's harder to get over? Omission. I wish I would have. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have said something to that person. I wish I would have called such and such. I wish I would have. Because when you ate the cookie, you can get free. Well, Lord, I ate the cookie. Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I'm not going to eat the cookie. Well, that's over. 
But when you look back and you realize the people that you could have interacted with that you didn't, that's hard. So let's decide as God's people that we're going to allow him to flow through us and in us and be available to him. And just be available to the people around us and love people. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful, amazing, awesome church. And when I say that, I mean these people. And Lord, I just thank you that you came to heal us. You came to set us free. You came, Lord, to... to, (laughs) To give us new life, Father, to give us a life that's abundant, to give us a life that overflows. Father, thank you for that. But that's only the start. You call us, Lord, to be your hands and your feet to a hurting world. Father, to be your hands and feet to our families. To be your hands and feet to our brothers and sisters in church. To be your hands and feet in our jobs, in our community. Lord, in the schools, everywhere we are, we're we're just supposed to be your hands and feet. If you're here today, and God's really speaking to you, and maybe you realize that, like I am a lot of times, you're just being really selfish, and life's really kind of about you, and you're kind of miserable because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. There's nothing more fulfilling in life than doing what God's called you to do. There's nothing more fulfilling in life than allowing Him to flow through you to meet somebody else's need because you will feel fully alive when that happens. But the Creator of the universe has decided to live in you and love people and do things through you. That's amazing. So here's what we're going to do. It's going to be a little different today. If you're here today, and that's you, you, you've been maybe about you, maybe you've been focused on yourself, but, but you realize today that you've been created for so much more, that you want to allow God to live in you and flow through you. You want to surrender yourself to Him, Christian, in such a way that God has the ability to just move through you. In other words, saying, God, here I am, use me. Here I am. I'm available. So if that's you today, and you want to make yourself available to God, nobody's looking around, this is be between me, you, and God. If you know that this message is speaking to your heart, why don't you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I want to be more available. Amen. Hands all over the auditorium. That's awesome. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. I also know there's some of you that feel that way, that you had your hand up on the inside. I want everybody to stand up this morning. Some of you, when I say that, your first thought is, if I raise my hand, I'm going to Africa. God's sending me to Africa. That's what's going to happen. Well, here's the deal. I can't promise you that God's not going to send you to Africa. But he may just be sending you to the grocery store. He may just be sending you down the hall to your kids. He may just be sending you across the aisle. It's just making yourself available to Him. Everybody put your hands on your heart this morning.
And I'm going to speak a blessing over you and a prayer over you. Father, I just thank you right now that, that as we recognize that, that you love us and you, and you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us. But Lord, we know it goes beyond that. That you've called us to lay our lives down and allow you to live in us and through us. That there's a world that's hurting and dying that needs you. Father, just in this moment, for those that raise their hands, for those that are willing, Lord, right now, Father, I just ask you to, to just use them. Holy Spirit, rise up in them, fill them, empower them to be witnesses for you. Lord, let your love overflow in their life. Let your love overflow in their life that they would love those around them. Jesus name Amen Say this one more thing I think this is important You know when you're doing the dishes You remember that one time you did the dishes When you take a Cup, bowl, glass, whatever it is You know when you begin to fill it up with water Under pressure that water will begin to take Everything in there and raise all the impurities To the top doesn't it and then it washes them out. When it begins to overflow, it washes them out. And here's the analogy. When you allow the Spirit of God to flow in you, that river of life that Jesus was talking about, what happens is that water begins to flow in you. And when you allow God to use you all the time, He blows all that junk out of your life. He just washes that out. So the more you allow Him to flow in you, the cleaner your life is going to be. And that's a byproduct of that. Because his love's flowing in there. It's just keeping all that junk out. Amen? So allow him to do that. Father, bless us as we go today. Lord, I pray that you bless this food that we're going to eat. Lord, help us to see people the way that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. As you leave today, high five five people. Tell them they're the hands and feet of Jesus. You guys have a great week.